Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. My name is Josh Mandrell, and I am thankful for the leadership of this church to give me the chance to share with you all this morning. And so I am a dermatologist or a physician by day, and like many of you, my life during this COVID-19 pandemic has drastically changed. Even in the office, I go into the office maybe one, two days a week now rather than five and see emergency type of patients to keep them out of the emergency room. And we'll do a few video chat, telemedicine they call it, through like a Zoom chat. But other than that, I'm spending a lot of time at home. I spent more time at home with my wife, quantity, quality time than I ever have in my life. And so it's drastically changed the way I look at, at life. And so... I also have tied a string around my finger. And this string around the finger, you've seen this before, is a sign to remember. And I did this at the beginning of the message for two reasons. One, simply to remind myself to borrow or steal a roll of toilet paper from the church before I go home so I don't have to go to the crazy grocery store. But also as a symbol of this message. Now this symbol dates way back A lot of people think, and we do know, that there's a lot of nerve endings in the tip of the finger, and those nerve endings send signals to the brain, to the hippocampus, which is the memory center. And actually, one of the tests, one of the things sometimes they'll do with Alzheimer's patients is it's been shown that repetitive movement, even motor skills of a finger, can stimulate memory. And so we'll do that a lot of times. At home this week... My wife was going to order pizza for a couple in the church, some of our friends, and she said five times during the day, don't let me forget to order pizza. And at the end of the evening, she said, darn it, I forgot to order the pizza. Now, me being the helpful husband that I am, said, well, you should have put a reminder in your phone. And at that point, her head whipped around. Um, The strongest muscle in her body that's got repetitive movement is this sternocleidomastoid because that head whipping happens quite frequently. And she said, Josh, I did put a reminder in the phone, but I was changing the baby's diaper and then giving the baby a a bottle and I forgot. We are a forgetful people. I can't make fun of her too much because there's a laundry basket at the bottom of the stairs that for the last five nights was supposed to go to the top of the stairs, but I keep forgetting to take it up. Now, the same thing sometimes happens in our spiritual life too. We forget God, if we're honest. We forget the things he's taught us. We forget the promises that he's made to us. We forget the promises and commitments and vows sometimes that we've made to him. We'll have amazing experiences, life-changing experiences in our life, these mountaintop experiences and say, wow, God, you have changed me. I'm never going to get this. And yet, we fail to remember. Now, this isn't just unique for us in this day and time. This dates way back from the beginning of time. 
you know, the Israelites were freed from Egypt, from slavery with Pharaoh. And one of the things that God continued to tell his people is don't forget, remember that I brought you out of Egypt. Remember what I did for you because he knew that they were forgetful. Even Jesus in the Lord's Supper where he's showing us the example of communion and says, this is my body and this is my blood, this is, you know, this is the bread and this is the wine. He kept saying, he said, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, remember me. Look at this scripture. This is what God told Moses. I'll put it up here. Um, If we can jump to it. I'll read it from here. So the Lord said, to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord or a string on each tassel. And you will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them. Then you will remember to obey all my commands, and you will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So he said, tie a string around your garment. This is the proverb. This is another um, good thing in here that says, obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. And then again, tie them on your finger as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart to remember. Sometimes I think that the way the evil one succeeds is not always to get us to do bad stuff, but sometimes to forget us, to help us forget or cause us to forget to do good stuff, to forget the things that God's done in our lives, to forget the promises we've made to him, to forget that he's speaking to us, that he's constantly speaking to us even now. And I I know I've always heard God is always speaking, always speaking, but if you're like me, there's times when I hear him more, and maybe that's just because I'm listening more, or his voice in circumstances seems to be more vivid. And those are mountaintop experiences, you know, church camp, altar, God is really working and talking, like the disciples went onto the mountain of transfiguration, and they saw Jesus in all his glory, But then the other time that I feel God speaks deeply to me is in valleys, in those deep, hard times. You know, in the Bible, we see God show up in a fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see God show up constantly in jail cells. Paul and Silas were in jail and an earthquake came. God showed up in that jail cell. God, for me, shows up a lot of times in isolation, maybe even a quarantine. Scripture says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, in this valley. He leads me beside these still waters. And that's where he kind of restores my soul. In these quiet, deep valley locations, that's where God shows up a lot of times for me. And so in this moment, in this pandemic, that's what a lot of us are experiencing. Now, everybody has a different experience, so I won't try to know what yours is. Just like everybody is watching maybe this, this um, 
presentation, this message through a different media device or wearing different clothing or a different part of the, this country, the ways God has worked are very different for all of our lives. And so the, the things that God's maybe speaking to us in this moment, some of the experiences have been profound for people where they've really lost loved ones or they've lost experiences. They mourn the loss of a prom or a graduation or mourn the loss of a job that they thought they'd always have or maybe mourn the loss of a relationship that they can't see who they want to see or didn't get to go to that funeral or have that wedding Very profound things. The ripple effect of this pandemic hasn't touched anyone's life. And yet, could God still be speaking? There's a lot of things that I've thought during this time. I appreciate grocery store workers more than I ever have before. Healthcare workers. I've thought more about maybe working from home is something that a lot of people will start doing more and more when this is all over. It's starting to change our the way we look at life and our behaviors. For some people, it may be more profound where they've had an experience with God and been drawn to him or learned about him for the first time. Maybe that they never would have had that experience before if it wasn't for this pandemic. For some people, they look at this as a sign of the end times and God's speaking in that way. I don't know all of that. I don't know all of the ways that you may feel that God is speaking to you and saying, you know, life is short. Keep your, the main thing, the main thing. But I do know that he is speaking in people's lives. And so we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and a few things that the Apostle Paul learned. Now, he's a great example of hardship. The Apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians, throughout his life, all of a sudden became the champion of Christians. And he started going from city to city, declaring the gospel about Christ, so much so that he was run out of city to city. And then he was thrown in jail, and he was in jail for two years without a trial. Finally, he had a trial, and then he was shipped to Rome. And on his way to Rome, he was shipwrecked, even, He tells time and time again how he's beaten and flogged. And then finally, most people believe that he was beheaded for his relationship with Christ, for preaching the gospel. And so if there's someone who can give us a good example of hardship, it's the Apostle Paul. And yet, a lot of what you and I know about Jesus and the gospel is because of the words of Paul. Now, when we hear that, I hope the next thing that we do is not just say, oh, Apostle Paul, a lot of bad things happened, but look what God brought out of it. And we internalize that for a second, say, hey, wait, maybe God can do that with my hardship. Look at these words up on the screen. This is the words of the Apostle Paul that come from Romans. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now that's crazy talk, right? We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. A benefit? And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now this is way contrary to what we would naturally want to do. We are taught if something 
a trial comes or a hardship, run way away from that. But the Apostle Paul is saying, follow my example. Don't run away from it or lean away from it. Lean into it. Wow. Could it be, now this is super challenging, but it could be, could it be if problems and trials and hardships develop endurance, which strengthens our character, which gives us more confident hope, could it be that the intensity of our trial and hardship is directly correlated to the magnitude that our character is strengthened and the magnitude of our hope? This is super challenging. Could it be that the length of time we experience hardship or the amount of hardship that we experience is directly correlated to the amount of endurance and strength of character and the amount of hope that we have? I think the Apostle Paul would say, yes. Look what he says about weakness. He goes on in in, Corinthians to say this. Go to the next slide. 2 Corinthians 12. Every time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best. And so now I know both. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure again. Wow, Apostle Paul, you're taking pleasure in weakness and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I may suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. In some way, God can take our weakness and shine forth his strength. When we are at wit's end, when we're in the midst of isolation or hardship. My sister used to live in Fresno, California, and I went to visit her once, and she was a runner and I wasn't. I was trying to be a runner, I was running maybe three miles. And this is the dead heat of July in the valley of Fresno, California, really hot. And she says, Josh, how about we go running? said, sure, but I can only run about three, three and a half miles. And she said, okay, we'll do that. So we start running, and I'm following her, and we're running through her neighborhood, block after block, and I look at my Map My Run GPS, and it says three and a half miles, and I look at her, and I'm looking around and saying, okay, is your house close? And she looked at me with this evilish grin, and she said, oh, we're halfway, now we have to turn around and go back. And I got so mad. The only thing that fueled me the rest of the run was just pure anger at the situation. And I remember that she looked at me while I am running, dehydrated, legs weak and cramping, and she said, Josh, pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Now, that was hard to chew on, and then I started thinking about athletes, and athletes probably will agree with that. They'll say the way you develop the most strength and endurance is to push yourself to the limit. We know that muscle is formed not by just doing casual movement, but bulk muscle is formed by breaking down our muscle so we can heal again. And what if strength of the character is formed in some of the same ways? 
by being broken to the limit that God can come in and we can't do things on our own and he rescues us and he heals us and when we are weak, then we are strong. You see, God glories in some of the most profound times that he shows up is in jail cells, is in fiery furnaces, is on crosses. What the world thought was one of the most profound weaknesses and hardships ended up being one of the most profound statement of our faith, that death turned into life, that the crucifixion led to the resurrection, which is maybe why Good Friday is called Good Friday, because it was required for a resurrection to happen on Easter. There's a man called Horatio Stafford, Spafford, and he was a businessman in Chicago, and he had a, a child that died at a young age, and then he had four daughters and a wife, and he was supposed to go with his daughters and wife to Europe, and he had a business meeting, so he sent them ahead of him. And while they were on the ship from the U.S. to Europe, the ship crashed, and everybody went down, and his four daughters drowned. Only his wife survived. And she sent a message back to him in Chicago and told him what happened. And he knew that he needed to go be with his wife because of the hardship and the, I can't imagine the pain they were going through. And so he took the next ship out to Europe and his daughter that was born later tells the story that her dad had told her that while they were on the ship heading back to Europe, the captain of that ship said, hey, sir, this is the exact spot that the ship wrecked, and this is the spot it went down where your daughters drowned. And he looked out, he came out on the deck and looked out upon the water, and that's when he pinned to the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Wow. What strength of character in hardship to even come close to being able to say those words in the midst of that. Similarly, a man named Joseph Biley watched three of his seven children die in their youth. He was a theologian. And he said at that experience, he said, don't forget in the darkness what you've learned in the light. Meaning, Don't forget in those deep moments where you're feeling so much pain what God has done for you in the mountaintops, in the other times in your life. Now, I want to share with you and change that around a little bit. I want to ask you or say this. Don't forget in the light what you've learned in the darkness. Don't forget five years from now what God may have tried to teach us and you In this moment, in this moment of time, Jesus told his disciples this when he was sending them out, knowing they'd be persecuted, he told them this, what I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. My biggest concern or fear as I kind of think about all the craziness that's happened in the globe that has affected us all, is not so much that it will change us, 
because it will. My biggest fear is that we'll forget. That we'll forget. Now it'll be slow, but you know, we'll change our behaviors of how we act around people, maybe wear some masks or not shake hands. But five or ten years from now, that what God tried to show us in these moments, that we'll forget. And you might say, there's no way that will happen. I've watched the news, and they said, this is not a quick recovery. This will forever impact our lives. And preachers are saying that, and economists are saying that, and healthcare workers are saying that. But I know the nature of me, my human nature, and that is a nature of forgetfulness. Look at those Israelites, if you look at that story. So they were suffering under Pharaoh as slaves for years, being beaten and hurt and hardships. And then God shows up to deliver his people from Pharaoh out of Egypt. And there's these crazy plagues and the river turns into blood and there's frogs and there's gnats and there's pestilence. Whatever pestilence is, actually, it's, it's actually pestilence is a plague. It's an epidemic. Hmm. So there's all these crazy things. Even the firstborn are killed. Wow. And then God delivers his people, and they cross the Red Sea, and he parts this huge sea so they can walk through it. And they're headed towards the promised land. Wow. If there's anything to remember, it would be that. And what happened? They forgot. God had to continually remind Moses to tell his people, tell them to remember. And so if they can remember that, uh, forget that, then we have a tendency to forget or slowly start to forget what God may have tried to tell us. And so I want to close with two ways that we can help remember. These are the final two points. You can write them down. You can memorize them. But these are the two ways that I want to help remember this. Number one, I'll put it on the screen. Ask yourself, what has God been speaking to me? What has God been speaking to me? Now, like I said, that is different for all of us. And there are some of us, and I've been there, that the impact, the, the loss, the loneliness of this moment that you're mourning is huge. And it's too hard to ask this question. And that's okay. There is a time to mourn. There's a time to ask God, what are you doing? I don't understand. This is hurting me. And just sit in that place and not jump to God, what are you doing with this? But just sitting there and saying, God, I can't even think about what you're doing because this is so hurtful. And that's important to be in that place for a while. But the problem that I have is I stay in that place. I don't find strength out of my hardship because I just sit in that mourning stage. So when the time comes, then we ask ourselves this question, what has God been speaking to me? For me, as I've sat at home, I have thought, the first couple of weeks, I just was exhausted. I didn't realize how exhausted I was from life and work until I was forced into just being alone. It was almost like a sabbatical at the, the beginning. And I realized that I don't ever want to go back to that place where I'm so overwhelmed with life that it takes me so long to find rest again. I've actually asked myself, 
over and over again, holding my six-month-old baby as he's trying to fall asleep and looking at him. And one of the things God has taught me through this is I remember one of the last things my dad shared with us when he was dying of liver disease is he said, one of my biggest regrets when you kids, my kids were, were younger, was working too much and not spending as much time with you as I should have or wanted to. And I looked at my baby and thought, that's, I don't want to be there. I don't want to jump back into life and work and work as hard as I was before. God, maybe this is a moment that you're speaking that to me. And then the second thing that I'm going to challenge you to do, the second question is this, is then say, because if you just say, God, what are you speaking? It do, isn't productive. The second thing that we do that with that is ask ourselves, what am I going to do with this? God, if you're speaking, what do you want me to do? How, when life starts to be a new normal, how am I going to change, you know, my thought process towards or put into action my appreciation for teachers or put into action my appreciation for community believers at church that I miss so desperately? What am I going to do? And then the key is to start doing these things. Because if we do this once, we forget There's this thing called neuroplasticity. So doing it over and over and over again is what helps build our memory to help us remember. So whether it's every time we lay down at night, every time we sit on a toilet, whenever it is, but constantly asking ourselves, God, what are you speaking? And God, what do you want me to do with this moment? I'm going to end and I'm just going to jump into a scripture. I was going to take this out, but... I left it in because it's for somebody, and then we're going to pray. So the Apostle Paul ends Romans 8, this section of his letter to the Romans, with this. And this is, um, this is great. He says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And you can throw in whatever you want there, because he's covering it all. So you can put isolation or quarantine or loss or hurt. So wherever you're at in that, whatever you're experiencing, know this. Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, really all of us have been affected. Our lives have been turned upside down, and it's very unique for all of us. So as I've been praying I've heard you say that it's affected us all, but know that I'm speaking. So God, I help, I ask that the hearers of this voice will know that you're speaking even in this moment, that will listen to you, that will be changed by you, and that we won't forget you. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.